This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a curveball thrown in Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's investigation into former President Trump. Trump presents evidence that he says will totally clear his name. It could undercut a fundamental part of the DA's case. Former gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake gets some wind back in her sails. The Arizona Supreme Court orders the examination of a key issue. Some heated discussion on Capitol Hill. Moderna's chief executive takes fire from senators on issues with the drug company's COVID vaccination. Happening today, the CEO of TikTok will be in the hot seat testifying at the Capitol. The U.S. could potentially ban the app. We speak to a social media expert. And Shen Yun Performing Arts has been touring around the world for three months. Theatergoers in Colorado say the company sends a message that's needed in today's world. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Thursday, March 23rd. The CEO of TikTok is set to testify before Congress today. The question is, will the U.S. ban it? That's amid concerns over user data and how the CCP might be using it for psychological warfare. Exactly, and we'll cover that soon, but we're starting off today's program with some developments around the Manhattan DA's investigation into former President Trump. Trump says he has evidence that will clear him of any alleged fault and prove his innocence. It's a letter from Michael Cohen's lawyer to the Federal Election Commission in 2018. The lawyer writing on Cohen's behalf states Cohen made the payments in question of his own accord with his own money. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more about the letter. Trump says the letter is totally exculpatory and must end the Manhattan District Attorney's witch hunt immediately. The letter says Cohen used his own personal funds to facilitate the payment of $130,000 in 2016, and that neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction or reimbursed Cohen directly or indirectly. Joseph Takapina, Trump's lawyer on the case, confirmed the letter's authenticity with the Epic Times. It could sever a key link in Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's case against Trump. That's if his case revolves around alleged hush money paid to pornographic actress Stormy Daniels. Trump denies all wrongdoing in the case and any connections with Daniels. He says he's a victim of extortion. Cohen pleaded guilty to violating federal campaign finance laws in August 2018 for arranging the payment. He initially said he paid the money out of his own pocket, but reversed his account in his guilty plea. He then claimed Trump directed him to do so and that he was reimbursed by the Trump organization through routine legal expenses. It's widely speculated Bragg will bring his case based on a state charge of falsifying business records and a federal charge of campaign finance violations. If the statements in the letter are admissible, a fundamental part of Bragg's case would be undercut. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Arizona Supreme Court handed Carrie Lake a partial win on Wednesday. It ordered part of the former candidate's election lawsuit back to trial court. The judgment calls for examining whether Maricopa County followed signature verification policies in 2022. The Arizona Supreme Court declined to take on the rest of the appeal. Lake has contested the results of the 2022 election since her defeat at the hands of Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs. 
She has argued that thousands of Republican voters were disenfranchised on Election Day. Voting machine malfunctions were reported at around 60% of poll locations. And Florida is considering expanding its sexual orientation rules for schools. Currently, teachers are prohibited from teaching gender identity in kindergarten to the third grade. Now, the state's Department of Education is thinking about moving that up to grade 12. It would only be allowed as part of a reproductive health course or in cases specifically required by the state's academic standards. Teachers who violate the proposed rule could be suspended or have their licenses revoked. The DeSantis administration is backing the suggested change. The State Board of Education will consider the rule change next month. Bills are also in the works to put policies in place around pronoun use in public schools. Florida educators would be prohibited from assigning or referring to students and staff with pronouns different from their sex. TikTok CEO Sho Chu will be testifying before Congress today, trying to convince, convince U.S. authorities not to ban the app. While lawmakers see TikTok's connection to the Chinese regime as a threat, the possible ban prompted protests yesterday in front of the Capitol by TikTok users. We want to bring Andrew Selipak now in now for more. He's a social media professor at the University of Florida. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Now, can you please start by telling us what's driving the decision this time around to ban TikTok? Because the CEO has been assuring us that they won't share any data and the app is safe. Well, I think what we're seeing is that there's just been a larger push. This is something that occurred a couple years ago under the Trump administration, looking to see if TikTok could be sold. Um, that didn't go so well. Uh, now you have lawmakers who are actually trying to make this push. So there's a difference between sort of the Trump administration trying to force it through, you know, an executive order versus legislation that's being pushed forward by the House and the Senate to do that um, and to get either the app to basically be banned here in the United States. And you see sort of the Biden administration kind of on the fence between that or uh, having it sold to a sort of a new company. Right. So now what is driving that push? Because I know quite a few that would actually echo what Congressman Jamal Bowman said, basically that all platforms mine data and, you know, what would they even do with my data, which contains nothing sensitive generally? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of people will just make the assumption what is possibly going on with my data. Um, but, you know, what we're talking about is that when you would, the purpose for this ban is not because, you know, necessarily you or I have an issue, but it's the fact that there are plenty of people, you know, the, the CEO basically came out yesterday and said 150 million Americans now use the app. Uh, we've been talking for a while of 100 million. Now he's saying there's 150. Uh, of that 150 million, you have people who are working in the military, people who are working, you know, or have a spouse or a family member with the CIA the FBI, the NSA, the DOD, um, you have them in the DNC, the RNC, the Department of State. You have people who deal with financial records, medical records, and they're accessing this content on their phone. They have their contacts on their phone. They have personal information on their phone. So it's one of those things where, you know, the, the ban is not necessarily being done 
because all 150 million potential American users uh, have concerns with their data because we know that all the social media apps access our data, sell our data. Uh, it's that who would, at the end of the day, be receiving this data, at least in terms of a privacy perspective. But there's also concerns about how the feed is able to manipulate users and the type of content that users are seeing in their feed. We have to keep in mind that in China, they don't allow what we would typically consider American social media platforms. So they don't have Twitter, they don't have Facebook, Instagram. And one of the reasons for it is because the Chinese government is concerned that if American social media companies were able to be used by citizens in China, that the algorithms would be manipulated, that the citizens there would see anti-communist Chinese party propaganda. So there's kind of an aspect of, if we know the Chinese government is concerned that we would do that to them, that's probably because there's a strong likelihood that is what they are doing to us. Mm. That's certainly oh. interesting to see how the Chinese regime is seeing those social media platforms, what they see it as. Um, and there's protests going on in D.C. about that. Now, how will the ban hurt users and, you know, what can they do in case of a ban? Well, there was, you know, protests and the protests were mostly uh, TikTok users, a couple members of Congress were also there. And noticeably, the members of Congress that were there seemed to be kind of reciting some of the talking points from the CEO of TikTok. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, what we're talking about is an app that is a short video platform app. Um, it is sort of a more complicated, a better version of Vine, if you will, which is an app that, you know, kind of went away a couple years ago. So it, it's not an app that necessarily is so groundbreaking in its design. It could be replicated. In fact, uh, India has banned TikTok, and since then, a number of similar platforms have arisen in India that are getting plenty of users there. So we're talking essentially about an app that people have built a brand on, they've, they've built a following on, just as they did when it was with Vine, just as they did maybe with Google Plus or MySpace. You know, the thing is, at the end of the day, social media platforms, you know, we, we think of them as these sort of always been there, always will be their entities, but they do rise and fall. Uh, you know, I've already mentioned Google+, Plus, um, MySpace, Vine, there's been plenty that have come and gone. So it's not something that's necessarily new. We've seen a band for an entire country in India, which is a huge uh, country when it comes to social media use. We've seen here in the US that it's already been banned by workers in the federal government and the military, the RNC, the DNC, state workers, universities. So it's not something that's unprecedented. And the app itself, again, is not something that is so unique that couldn't be replicated by another company or right. hasn't already been created. Right. Uh, and certainly replaceable. So thank you so much, uh, Andrew Selipak, for today's analysis. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, tune into our business show with Don Ma at 5 o'clock. We'll bring you the highlights from TikTok CEO's first appearance in Congress. Moving over to Europe, TikTok's troubles are spreading there as well. Italy, Norway, and the Netherlands have become the latest countries to take measures against the Chinese company. They're citing security and safety fears. And Italy says it has opened an investigation into the social media giant. The focus is allowing the publication of dangerous content that includes content promoting suicide, self-harm, and poor nutrition. This while the Netherlands and Norway want to prohibit government employees from having the app on their phones. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken went to bat for the Biden administration on matters of foreign policy yesterday. He defended a $63 billion budget request for fiscal year 2024. Blinken says it will strengthen U.S. efforts to outcompete the Chinese Communist Party. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Blinken's testimony. Fund as well. Blinken fielded numerous questions about Russia and China during the Senate hearing. The budget will sustain our security, economic, energy, and humanitarian support for Ukraine to ensure that President Putin's war remains a strategic failure. He stood by his previous comments that sanctions on Russia are having a crippling effect. Senator Bill Haggerty asked Blinken what Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping meant when he said communist China and Russia are going to be pushing for changes not seen for a hundred years. I think when it comes to China, they actually want a world order, but an illiberal one. Mm-hmm. We continue to stand strongly for a liberal one. Blinken says President Biden remains committed to the Indo-Pacific region. Which is why this proposal asks for an 18 percent increase in our budget for that region over FY23. The Secretary of State noted Taiwan has boosted its defense spending by 11 percent. He says the U.S. is focusing on sales of military equipment to Taiwan and working to address challenges around production capacity. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Moderna's chief executive was in the hot seat yesterday during a Senate hearing. Lawmakers pressed the CEO on issues with the company's COVID-19 vaccine. NTD's Daniel Monahan has the story. Moderna CEO Stefan Bancel testified before the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions on Wednesday. Senator Rand Paul probed the Moderna CEO about a $400 million payment the vaccine maker paid to the National Institutes of Health. Do you believe it creates a conflict of interest for the government employees who are making money now off of the vaccine to also be dictating the policy about how many times we have to take the vaccine? This is for the government to decide. Paul then shifted his line of questioning to adverse events. The senator cited numerous peer-reviewed studies he says demonstrate a correlation between the vaccine and myocarditis in young males. Myocarditis is a form of heart inflammation that can lead to death. Paul insisted that the president of Moderna acknowledged this risk to him in private and called the refusal of Boncel to admit it in public disturbing. The CDC says that if your 15, 16-year-old gets COVID, recovers, takes a vaccine and gets myocarditis, is hospitalized with elevated heart enzymes and is very sick, the CDC says as soon as he gets better, vaccinate him again. Meanwhile, Senator Bernie Sanders criticized Moderna's decision to enact a massive price increase of the vaccine to $130 when it goes to the commercial market. That's up from $26 under government procurement. You're a multi-billionaire. All the people, top executives on your company are multi-billionaires, all developed as a result of the vaccine. Will you reconsider your decision to quadruple the price of the vaccine? So the price is not linked to the company's performance, the price is linked to the value of a product to the patient and to the impact on the patient. That's how we set price. Demand is expected to drop by 90% once the vaccine enters the private market later this year. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Coming up, a suspected arsonist has been arrested for a fiery blaze in Seattle. The fire destroyed over 30 boats. And a nice surprise for coffee lovers, new research shows coffee does not adversely affect heart health in the short term and may even be beneficial for some. More after the break.
Welcome back. The body of a suspect was discovered following a shooting at a Denver high school yesterday. 17-year-old Austin Lyle fled the scene after shooting and wounding two administrators. He remained at large until his body was discovered. The student was known to have behavioral issues. The student fled in a car, which was later found about 50 miles from Denver. His body was found in a woodland near the location. According to officials, the gun was not immediately recovered. Police say one of the administrators was critically injured and is undergoing surgery. The second victim is in stable condition. Lockdowns and violence at the school are frequent. One student was killed just earlier this month. An investigation into the teenager's death is underway. Parents have accused officials of not doing enough to protect their children. Everyone should be able to go to school and feel safe. I, I hate to say that we, if we can't fight gun control or do something about it and get guns out of kids' hands, then they need a stronger line of defense in these high schools. There's got to be either or both. It really has to be all of it needs to be addressed. The mental health of our country, of students, the guns, the gun problem in our country, and how do we protect our schools? I mean, it might be expensive, but this is critical. I definitely get a lot of shock. My fight or flight uh, response definitely kicks in. Um, and as soon as we have to start hiding and I figure out it's not a drill, I start to think, what if I'm not going to make it tomorrow? And it's definitely quite hard, as maybe it could be the last time I see my family. Denver school officials said they would once again put armed officers into the city's public high schools following the shooting. Dozens of boats were involved in a massive fire on Wednesday morning in Seattle. The suspicious blaze broke out at a boat storage facility. Explosions could be heard as the flames sent plumes of smoke several feet above the fire. The Seattle Fire Department says more than 100 firefighters responded to the scene. Seattle police officers arrested a 32-year-old man who was discovered in a boat docked near the fire. Authorities suspect him of arson. Police are conducting a follow-up investigation. Authorities in California report at least five storm-related deaths in and around San Francisco, all from fallen trees. And over 90,000 homes and businesses in the state were without power as of yesterday. Here's the story. In Central California, cars abandoned in murky floodwater marked the latest lashing in a long line of powerful storms. Intense winds and driving rain struck the storm-weary state, leaving tens of thousands facing evacuation warnings Wednesday. Another atmospheric river storm dumped water in parts of the already saturated southern and central California regions, which have been hit hard by a relentless string of storms that began in late December. Sometimes there's drought, sometimes there's lots of rain. Near the town of Boulder Creek in northern California's Santa Cruz Mountains, Tyrone Clark and his neighbors cleared fallen trees from the road with their own chainsaws, directing traffic around downed power lines. This is one of the top ones. Uh, I think in the 90s we had some that were like this. But I think the trees are just bigger now and, and not handling the weight. And, you know, like this is the mountains. Like if you live in the mountains every 10 years or so, it's going to be hard. The National Weather Service said the rain combined with snowmelt left much of the region under flood watches Wednesday. In central California, floodwaters swamped houses, roads and farmland, leaving spring crops underwater.
The California Office of Emergency Services said Tuesday more than 14,000 people statewide were under orders to seek higher ground, with evacuation warnings issued for another 47,000. And a rare tornado near Los Angeles wrecked multiple cars and tore rooftops off buildings yesterday. Local media described it as a possible landspout tornado. Multiple commercial buildings were damaged in the southern town of Montebello. A video posted on social media shows the winds sucking up debris and swirling it in the air. The whirlwind heavily damaged nearly a dozen buildings and a number of vehicles. At least one person was injured. Coffee drinkers are in for some good news. New research shows that coffee consumption does not have adverse effects on the heart, and it may even have benefits for those with existing heart conditions. And today's Costa Menez tells us more. Coffee is undoubtedly one of the most popular drinks in the world. New research from the New England Journal of Medicine shows that coffee does not impact heart regularity adversely in the short term. This was measured on how many extra beats the heart had, as well as activity levels and amount of sleep. So they did not see a meaningful difference really in how many extra beats the heart had in this two-week period. Um, I think on its own, one can't say a whole lot about that if you just took it by itself. Uh, but if you look at all the other work that's been done over the last probably 10 years, um, that suggests coffee consumption does not have adverse effects on the heart. Coffee may even be beneficial to consume for heart health, including for those with existing heart conditions. If you have abnormal heart rhythms and so forth, um, a lot of people will assume you should not drink coffee because people tend to feel jittery when they drink coffee, but um, other research has suggested that's not the case and there's really not a reason to stop drinking coffee either for healthy people or people with heart disease. But Dr. Kao says more research still needs to be done to get more conclusive evidence on the long-term effects. Cost MNS, NTD News. In case we didn't have enough reason for a morning coffees, here's another one. Yeah. So have you reconsidered yet your caffeine-free life? Oh no, Evelyn, I've made up my mind on that one. But okay, I do I sometimes drink tea. I use a fenugreek wow. and clove mix. Sounds fancy. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> Tastes uh, good. That's all that matters. Coming up, Shen Yun Performing Arts continues its world tour. The company just finished a three-day stop in Colorado Springs. We have audience reactions. Good to have you back. Shen Yun Performing Arts has been touring for three months around the world now. Colorado theater goers say the company sends a message that is needed in today's world. Shen Yun Performing Arts performed in Colorado Springs from March 17 to 19. Patrons with military backgrounds shared their experiences with the live orchestra of both Eastern and Western blend. Oh, the costumings were absolutely amazing. I think that was that and the orchestra were two of my favorite things today. It was That was one of the things that I was really blown away with was how beautiful everything was. Oh, it was great. It was really good. My wife and I are opera fans and we go to the opera a lot and we hear lots of the orchestras. But this was unique because of the Chinese instruments as well as, the, you know, the normal instruments that we, we consider normal.
Through classical Chinese dance, Shen Yun portrays China's ancient spiritual heritage. But the company cannot perform in China due to the Chinese regime's persecution of freedom of beliefs. Not gonna lie, uh, big guy like me, retired military, and uh, yeah, I teared up a little bit on the uh, the current events. Whenever the daughter was, you know, killed in prison, that kind of that did make me shed a little bit, a little bit tear. Yeah, just overall great performance. I loved it. Uh, brought my kids here to get them a little bit of cultural enrichment, and we're glad we came. Thank you. I absolutely love that, and especially here in you know Westernized culture, we're we're not really tied that that well into Eastern culture and religion. So just getting a little bit of the history and a little bit of the background tied into the past as well as what's currently going on, um, it's it's a very unique perspective, and I'm really glad that it's coming here, and maybe it'll be eye-opening for a lot of people. The New York-based Shen Yun was established in 2006 and now has eight different companies that tour the world simultaneously. Oh, it's wonderful!、Uh, I think、uh, there's a lot of faith in divinity that、uh, throughout the world, and that showed that in this performance tonight. Faithfulness, you know, be be hopeful,、uh, bravery, fortitude.、Uh, those are really good messages, and I think more of the world needs to hear that type of message. It was great. It was a wonderful production. It was worth waiting four years through COVID to see this. <laughs> NTD News, Colorado Springs, Colorado. You know, Evelyn, I'll be honest. I love those ribbon sleeves. Oh, they have such unique、that? costumes. This is making me so curious. I really, I really want to see it now too. Yeah. Gosh. Definitely. All right. On that note, that's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you as usual. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning@ntd.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee, and I'm Kevin Hogan.